So Pastor Jason is away. That would be first string. And so you know the implications. Those of you who are sports-minded and see the second string come onto the field, I hope that you'll overcome some of your emotional anxieties and, and, and please, your grace is welcome. It's great to see so many visitors here. Alma, how did you do this? Judy and Kim, others that I I don't recognize, but it's great to have you here. This morning is about um, the communion and what it means to us. And because it takes a bit of time to to share around the communion, we want to give extra time for people to meditate and to consider what the Lord has done for us. We have a, this morning is more of a devotion than it is a full-time sermon, and uh, devotions, therefore, are supposed to be shorter. And in my mind, a devotion is is practical, because um, that's the way I am, practical. Years and years ago, 50 or more, I started out my college education in outdoor education recreation. And for years, I ran camps for kids, wilderness camps, bike camps, rafting, canoeing, climbing, whatever. And then when that became difficult to make a living, I, I uh, just decided to do climbing on the weekends and did trips with my friends and all kinds of good stuff. And so it's, it's helped me to stay fit and I'm still able to, to go hunting with Dave and Jason and kind of keep up with them. They're gracious enough to carry the big packs, but I can still keep up with them. I Part, part of the time, anyway. Um, but as, a, as an outdoor leader and uh, guide, I, I did work as a guide for a few years, <clears throat> there were some pieces of equipment that I always used. And this is going to date me, but you remember those contour maps we used to carry around? <laughs> All the squealy lines on them? Those were invaluable to me because it showed me where I was going to go. And it helped me to decide where I might cross a creek or which which pass I would go over, which mountain I was going to get to, and how how would I get there. Um, And I always, as a guide, I always felt obligated to go and do the trip ahead of time. When I ran the Nahani River, they wouldn't let me take my own trips until I'd run it at least twice. Um, And so going in, following the trail, making sure that I knew the campsites, the hazards, all this kind of stuff, was was a necessary thing for me as a guide, to know where I was going. And of course, there's a few other qualifications that people kind of expected you to have so that you could take care of them um, in in the wilderness. But another another piece of the equipment was, was this little gizmo. Remember those silver compasses? You don't use those anymore, do you? <laughs> it's all this GPS. I still carry one in my pack, every pack, actually. And, and this compass, along with my map, I could put it down there and I could orient the map so that the map was just the same picture as the con- country I was looking at. And it would help me to figure out and narrow down where I was going to go and what direction I was going to go. It helped me keep on track. And... Uh, there, I have to say, there, there were times when this compass saved my life. When I was hunting up north in, in the boreal forest, and there's no mountains, the sky is completely grayed over, and the land is just kind of, ooh, there's no landmarks. 
You know, I, I'd walk out into the bush thinking, I'm going to pick up that cut line. A cut line is a, is a strip of bush that's been cleared away so they could run seismic line on it. So I'd go to that cut line, and next thing you know, boy, I feel like I've gone a lot farther than I should have. And I pulled out my compass and said, this is north. No, I'm sure this is north. I'm sure of it. The compass, golly, it just doesn't feel right. Isn't that a little bit like what we're like sometimes? We know we should be going this way, but boy, I really feel like I want to do this. And this compass... You know, I, I've been up on top of mountains when it fogged completely in, and I didn't know which way to go to get down. Pull out the compass. One time I was up on Mount Athabasca in the Columbia ice fields, and it was completely wide out. We'd had two feet of snow, and we we're coming down this ridge. I had no idea where to break off the ridge to go down the glacier. And way in the distance, the fog cleared. I think this is a God thing. And there was the Columbia Ice Fields Parkway, where they have all those big machines that take people up onto the glacier. A big red roof, and I was able to take my compass out, adjust it, put it on my map. So this is where I am on this ridge. A few hundred more feet down, and then I can start going down the glacier, even though I couldn't see the next foot in front of me. So this, this compass was really valuable to me. I have a lot of maps probably too many. And in order to get to the right place, if I want to go to Mount Assiniboine, I'm going to use the Mount Assiniboine map. If I want to go to um, go kayaking off the coast, I'm going to use the right charts. And as I've, as I've discovered in my Christian life, if I want to go to heaven... This is it, folks. Tells us where we are, tells us where we've been, shows us how to walk, keeps us out of trouble. But as I look around, I see that there are a lot of folks out there. Now this this book and this compass, you know, is kind of kind of similar. But there's a lot of folks out there that kind of want to say, I'm just going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. I'm, or, it's my truth. Isn't that a popular one? I'm going to follow my truth. I make up what I want to believe and make this huge existential leap, and I'm going to believe it, regardless of the evidence. What we have in this book is historical validity. We have in this book a miracle of how it has come to us over thousands of years to be so consistent and so full of truth and a consistent message, and a message that is, is for us. It's, uh, it's the truth we believe. But there's a lot of other maps out there. Um, Charles Taze Russell, he kind of came up with his own map. Jimmy Jones came up with his own map. The um, who's the, who's the Joseph Smith? Yeah, he kind of added on to what was in here, and he kind of made up his own map. Contrary to what the scriptures were saying, these folks decided this is the way they needed to go. And boy, in this valley, we know that we can get maps out of crystals. <laughs> 
feel the energy. Or, or we can get maps <clears throat> from the Buddhist, the Hindu, Islam, on and on it goes. And so many of those maps are, are, are dependent on what we do. Islam, if you know, if you can kill an invalid or if you can martyr yourself, wow, you, you bought your ticket. And the Buddhists would say, if I can just meditate my way to that perfect place of peace, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I need. That, that peace is what I need. And on and on it goes. And yet we come back as Christians to this book. And it, it gives us some stuff that is sometimes hard to swallow. How many times have you heard someone say, well, he was a good man. And we want with all our heart to hope that God will be gracious to that man, the judgment. But we know what this book says. Bifocals. Let me read you a couple, couple scriptures. Find him. John 11. Eleven twenty-five. This is Martha. Um, when, Jesus, when Lazarus had passed away, and Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I am the resurrection and the life. That's what this book says. It began with this table. Actually, it began thousands of years before that. And we look at Matthew. Seventh chapter, <clears throat> verse 13. This is the one that's really hard for us to accept, and people can't believe God would be so narrow as to, to, to believe this verse. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter, enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. We, we're really lucky that we have a guide who has walked this path for us, Jesus Christ. And, and he, he laid his life down for us, and he went to prepare a place for us. And he's just said, this trail is pretty skinny. And yet, we look around and we see all the people and we realize how many of those folks don't know Jesus. That's the thing. It's not, it's not about our works. It's not about all the stuff we do. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ that, that happened as a result of this table. 
this communion event. Another verse in, in Matthew 7. Twenty one to twenty three. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. The scripture says, you know, it's not all the stuff we do. It's about whether Jesus knows us and whether we know him. That's the critical thing. And this communion table brings us to that place. The other other thing that we have going for us, kind of like that compass, is the Holy Spirit who guides us, who directs us, who keeps us on track. He helps us to avoid the temptations that would, take us off the road, take us off the trail. He helps us to understand what's in this map, this book of life. He helps us to understand that. He pleads with us when we don't have the right words to say. And so this journey, we're not left alone. We have a guide who's gone before. We have the Holy Spirit who's walking with us. And we have this amazing book. And for some of you, this, this book may be Can I really rely on it? Can I count on it? There are a lot of resources out there that can help you answer those questions. Don't worry about doubting. Doubting leads us to ask questions, and questions will get answered. And so Jason or myself, others in this congregation, would be glad to help you figure out, can I really trust this book? Can I really believe that Jesus was the one who who said he was, the Son of God? And did, Did he actually raise from the dead? There are lawyers, um, investigative reporters, and others who have, who have set out to disprove this book. And you know what? They became Christians because this book would not be disproven. It was it's as true as it ever was. And that's why we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and we, we follow him. We trust the Holy Spirit to walk with us. So our communion this morning, I'd like to say it's a pivotal point, but really the high point is yet to come when Jesus returns to retrieve us into his home. He, like I said, he's, he's gone to prepare a place for us. But this is a pinnacle point. We can look back and see that we were once lost, now we're found. We were once dead, now we're alive. We were nobodies, and now we're children of God because of what Jesus did on this, this cross.